G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Wrestling Hostile with Alex Freddie Williams and myself, Chris Funderhog. Alex, how are you today? I am isolated. <laughs> I am happy and I am isolated. I am doing the right thing. And um, unlike, it seems like the rest of Victoria. <laughs> yes, yes. So you went from border lockdowns to, to a home lockdown, it seems. Yeah, yeah, so without delving too much into it, just uh, someone in the family had to get tested, so whilst we wait for the result of the test, um, I have to sort of isolate until we find out. Fair enough, and you're all safe and well and doing the right thing by everyone else, at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, I've just been busy with as boring as it sounds. Um, well, the booze has to keep coming, my man. Yes, yes it does. So, um, as you can probably tell by the title, this one's going to be a bit of a different one. It's going to be sort of a uh, wrestling news special. Um, so, just a disclaimer before we start here. A lot of the subjects we discuss may be of a strong adult nature and may not be suitable for younger listeners. Uh, listener discretion is advised, and you can feel free to switch off now and tune back in next week. Normally, myself and Alex don't swear on the podcast because we try to spread Australian New Zealand uh, wrestling out to a global audience. Um, today may be a little different where we let slip one or two. Okay, all right. Uh all right, I was about to just let it swear then because I just found out I'm allowed to swear, but since you said one or two, I'll I'll hold back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, if you don't want to listen to the show, feel free to tune out. Tune back in next time. We'll be doing a retro review of WCW Australia, the Volume 1 Tape Slam. So we'll catch you next time if you don't feel free listening to the news. Otherwise, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, Alex. So the last time we chatted about the news was on our AEW Double or Nothing review in May, which is about about two months ago. <laughs> Sorry, 30 years. Oh, well, you know, COVID time. Two months is is the equivalent of about quadruple that, at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I know we talked about it on length on that show, but um, I did just want to touch on it again, because at the time I thought this would be the biggest wrestling story of the year, apart from uh, the way COVID affected the fans and the smaller indie promotions going on pause. And that was the three deaths in the wrestling world in the same week. Uh, journalist Larry Zonka passing away on May 19th. Uh, wrestler Shad Gaspard, formerly at the WWE, aged 39, passed away on May 17th. And on the same day, 21 years ago, uh, since Owen Hart passed away on May 23rd, Japanese wrestler Hana Kimura passed away at the age of 22. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy that 
like what we're going to talk about later on, like so much has happened since this that like some of this has sort of like fallen to the back of my mind a little bit. Like, and I don't mean any disrespect or nothing by that. Just so much just keeps happening. And this is just such a crazy year. Um, yeah, like, looking over the notes, like, the Shad thing feels like it happened so long ago because, like, so much has happened since. That was the same week just before AEW's Double or Nothing. So, yeah, two months ago, and it just it's just sort of flown by and so much has happened uh, since and... Um, like I mentioned this on my Twitter about a week later, my mother asked me about Hana Kimura and she hasn't really watched wrestling since WWF in the year 2001. <laughs> so for her to see that on the news and sort of go, oh, what happened here and discuss it with her was sort of shows the, um, the reach that that story got even here in Australia. Yeah, and that's a story that sort of, still sort of ongoing, like Hanukamura's mother's coming out and saying a few things about the about what Hana would tell her about Terrace House and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think we said at the time we were pretty certain we didn't want that show to come back um, or we felt uncomfortable with that show coming back. I'm not entirely sure what we said at the time, but... There is no way in the world that show is ever coming back. Nah, that's done. Yeah, that has to be done. And I suppose some of the fundraising efforts, there was like a, a GoFundMe set up for Larry Zonka's family. Um, various wrestlers either donated profits or set up tribute shirts for Shad Gaspard and his family. So um, there was some good to come out of this. Uh, Owen's widow... Martha Hart uh, allowed a limited release of Owen Hart shirts for pro wrestling tees at the time that helps the, I believe it's called the Owen Hart Foundation. So there was um, some, I suppose, good to come out of that that sad week. Yeah, and um, selfishly, like, I was quite stoked about the Martha Hart thing because it was reported, like, She's pretty keen to get back into, like, merchandising stuff for Owen Hart, especially with the help of um, Pro Wrestling Tees and AEW. So the heavy rumour is that we might be getting the first Owen Hart action figure in about 25 years or whatever through the AEW line. (laughs) So... That kind of blows my mind because, yeah, Martha Hart's developed quite a relationship with Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho's kind of the guy that sort of helps people get back into the business <laughs> these days, like with uh, the family of of uh, Nancy Benoit and, and uh, Chris Benoit's son, David Benoit, as well, like just helping these people that have been pretty much burnt by the wrestling industry find love in the industry all all over again. Yeah, just to sidetrack just for a brief moment, 
I know you're a big figure collector. Do you have any Owen Hart figures? I do. I do. I have um, his first ever action figure. I have, it's a, it's him in the MC Hammer pants. It's a Hasbro figure. The one when he teamed with Coco? Yeah. And um, I have one loose and I have one on card. And they're actually going for quite a bit. And I was contemplating selling it. But I was like, nah, I've got to keep it. It's Owen. And I have a few other ones of him from the mid-90s and that. Fair enough. So I guess if you have nothing else to... um to add on to there we can sort of move down to our our next subject on the news yeah i'll just quickly like yeah just thinking back about the shad thing man it oh it's still the most heartbreaking thing i've heard of in a long time and um the hanukamora thing in hindsight like it's crazy like what's going on in the world now especially like how for one week everyone's like let's be nice to each other on twitter and now everyone's just probably more uh, like trying to rip everyone's throats out on on the internet more than ever now and it's like can we all just remember how we felt that that one week can we keep that going can we be nice, guys? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've found out recently I'm just not going on Twitter or all forums as much anymore. I'm just sort of... And if I'm on there, I'm just sort of uh, trying to be a lot more positive with my time on there. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much um, only use Twitter to scroll across to search the news and covid stuff these days so one last thing before uh recording tonight i know it's another uh night owl recording yeah i'm already in my jammies i've had a hot chocolate already jeez i'm ready to go to bed man (laughs) yeah last night i was listening back to when i did a podcast with um jason agnew on sunday night's main event for the uh super showdown show in australia and the next night he was talking to Larry Zonka about what he thought of the match and um, the Undertaker Triple H match and saying how he was sort of disappointed that these old guys were just shuffling around the ring and I'm just there sort of big grin on me face just listening to his take on it like nearly a year and a half later. Yeah. Yeah, that is... Yeah. Oh. When, when are we reviewing that show? Yeah, so I suppose... I was going to bring it up later, but um, I can bring it up a bit later if you like. Yeah, let's talk about that later. So we move on to the uh, next topic. It's the hashtag Black Lives Matter movement, including within Australia. So for a more in-depth conversation, both Alex and I highly recommend the Indigenous Wrestlers Roundtable as part of a joint podcast blackout from both the B-plus podcast and the On the Turnbuckle podcast with wrestlers Joel Bateman, Michelle Huslock, Erica Reed, and Davis Storm from June 11. I'll put a link to that show in the description as well. Both you and I have listened to that one, haven't we, Alex? Yeah, I'm not of any Indigenous descent or anything like that, but Davis Storm's like whole perspective on everything is like it's 
it hit me hard because, you know, he's of half Asian descent. I'm half Asian myself. So, like, his views on everything would, and like how he talks about um, being half Asian, like, he would just, the way to deal with it and sort of stop racism coming towards him would be to sort of just make fun of it himself. Like, just make fun of himself for his race and all that sort of stuff, which I am a thousand percent guilty of. And it sort of stops the comments coming at you, but then you realize, well, if you're making a joke of it, are you sort of just lowering your, yourself and your heritage and all that and making it seem like a lighthearted thing that people not of the same descent can just make fun of behind your back? And it's sort of really, yeah, that particular little bit that he talked about like really hit me deep that day yeah big time yeah yeah so um myself being of anglo or um white uh heritage i can't really um identify with any of that i can i can just try to to learn to be better and not make those uh ignorant comments and stupid mistakes yeah and like we're all guilty of it like i'm sure if you talk to some of my buddies around back in my hometown like i'm sure they'll say that i'm quite a vulgar man but you know you you live you learn you grow and you sort of learn from the stupid things that you used to say when you were younger and you sort of learn from it, you grow from it, and you become a better person. And the first step in all of that is to sort of just, you know, just listen. Just keep an ear out. Like like this podcast, uh, the, the B Plus on the Turnbuckle podcast, with all those people on it, like, it is a great way to start to sort of understand the struggles of an Indigenous wrestler or just a just a um, non-white wrestler, you know? Like, it's a really good listen. So if you're uncertain and you're just on the fence about the whole thing or you don't understand it, have a listen to it. It'll really really open your eyes up a bit. I believe at one point one of the wrestlers were mentioning how a promoter, and they didn't name the company or promoter at the time, wanted them to go out and do like um, a welcome to country, like a in, uh, indigenous acknowledgement of um, ancestry of the land, I suppose, for our non-Australian listeners. And they wanted a heel wrestler to come out and interrupt that at some point to um, get heat with the crowd. Yeah. And they just flat out told him no. And just hearing some of these, I suppose you'd call it um, racist or ignorant um, proposals for uh, Indigenous wrestlers is, is quite shocking to hear. Like, these wrestlers aren't in the business like 40, 50 years. They're like maybe 10, 20 years. So it it is sort of quite shocking to hear some of that stuff is 
still around. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, the current Australian scene this year has sort of been put in the spotlight and then sort of been sort of uh, shown the real darkness of it all to the, this past couple of months. Like, yeah, the Australian scene's been quite a thing that I've had my eyes opened up to and just been like, oh, Maybe we're not quite there yet, guys. If I could just touch on a couple of stats just relating to the Black Lives Matter movement within Australia. Yeah, go for it. So since 1991, as reported by the ABC, there has been at least 432 Indigenous deaths in custody. Yeah, that's... Yeah, what 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 else can you say to that? That's just shocking. It yeah, it's just a very very shocking statistic. And the same week that the Black Lives Matter movement really started, there was a young teenage Indigenous boy in Sydney who was slammed to the ground by a New South Wales police officer, where the boy later required dental work, and the police commissioner labelled it as the officer having a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the point here, guys. Like, if you can't see what's wrong there, yeah, that's messed up. And the whole point of the um, the Black Lives Matter movement is not that black lives matter more than Asian lives or white lives or Maori lives or whatever. They matter equally but they need to be treated equally in the system. Yeah, exactly. And then lastly on here, I have wrestlers such as Kofi and Big E on WWE programming are wearing armbands with uh, different names of African-Americans. Yeah, and a private party uh, wearing BLM armbands on Dynamite as well. Oh, sorry, I must have missed that. Um... Yeah, it's it's good to see that these companies are allowing them to use their national audience for that cause. Yeah, and um, I think I saw on Twitter or something, 13 of 15 w- champions in the WWE are currently, like, people of colour, like, like Hispanic or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, it's like... If you if you look at it, like you got Keith Lee holding double belts at the moment, you got the New Day as tag champs, you got uh, Street Profits as tag champs, you got uh, Apollo Crews as US champ, uh, you got Bailey and Sasha, so Bailey of Latino background, um, Sasha as women's tag champs, and then you got Oscar uh, to. Yeah, you got EO on NXT. Hikaru on AEW. Yeah, like even you go to AEW, um, AEW might be the closest to having the most whitewash of the championships, but still nonetheless, WWE have, you know, you could sort of look at it like uh, they're sort of cashing in on the movement or whatever, but still they've got people of different 
backgrounds and colours and creed or whatever as champions at the moment pretty much all across the board. Like, oh, yeah, Santos Escobar is cruiserweight champ, um, actually quickly becoming one of my favourite gimmicks at the moment, even though it's kind of lazy, but whatever. I, I love I love Santos Escobar. Just a quick side note there. Do you mean it's lazy because he unmasked? No, um, no, I just think um, they just sort of grabbed two random guys. Oh, who looks like they could fit in with this guy in a suit? Ah, fair enough, because I had seen... Does DJZ really... Should he be in this group? I don't know. (laughs) Like... Joaquin Wild, DJZ, Zima Ion, like Where's the third member of the Bromans? Two of them are in NXT. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Ah, oh, I was yeah, Jesse Goddard. Yeah, what happened to him? Um wow, we just got sidetracked again. By Mr. Pectacular. I was gonna say some people I seen online were calling it lazy for him to unmasked. He had already lost a mask match in Mexico before signing. Also, I I can see the WWE logic. They've done it before with many uh, Hispanic wrestlers like Alberto Del Rio and Andrade, just to name a couple, because they go, no, you're way too good looking to have a mask on your face. And hey. Santos Escobar is not a bad-looking guy at all. So, yeah, get that face out there. So I suppose uh, any other thoughts on this news item before we move forward? Not in particular. I think, yeah, do yourselves a favour, listen to that podcast. Um, Yeah, there's lots of good stuff out there. just use the movement as a chance to sort of educate yourself. I have. I've read up a lot about it. Um, yeah, and I definitely have a better understanding of the struggles of a, of the average black life. I'd have to say I learned a lot from that podcast. Also, I don't think I mentioned it before, but um, APW in Perth, Davis has mentioned a number of times they do a welcome to country before the shows, and I'm not sure of any other um, big promotions in Australia that do that regularly, so something like that would be um, nice to see, in my opinion. Yeah, and they do that at footy games sometimes and stuff like that. I can't say why wrestling promotions around the country shouldn't start doing it yeah the only point i'm gonna add on to that is do it tastefully and not as an angle yeah yeah don't do that as an angle so from there i guess we're going to move on to the um the sort of the second to last news item which is the covid19 affecting the major wrestling scene including a few positive cases in wwe So there was four announced names recently who had tested positive, that being Renee Young, Adam Pearce, Jamie Noble, and Kayla Braxton. Kayla had tested positive for a second time. Yeah, she... um, Yeah, so throughout WrestleMania weekend, it had been sort of reported that someone... 
an on-screen talent for WWE had tested positive, and it wasn't until recently that we sort of found out that it was Kayla Braxton all along. When she announced that she got it a second time and she said, oh, I had it in March or April or whenever she said it was, and it all sort of timeline figured out that it was her over WrestleMania weekend that had it. Yeah, and uh, with these names coming out, it was revealed that WWE's testing consisted of a temperature scan and a basic questionnaire, which to me, for that company, for that amount of money they have, for where they're based and what doctors they can have, was it wasn't so much shocking as disappointing. Yeah, that's definitely a way to put it. Like... (laughs) Considering WWE's recent uh, questionable choice PR history, it's no longer sad, it's just disappointing. Yeah, but you can definitely say they've sort of bounced back from that now and now they're doing the right thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now they're, um, like you've mentioned, they've uh, implemented a mask policy recently. Yeah, and they're testing at every taping and all that now. Um, at one point, AEW was the company ahead of the game, and now I would say that WWE is ahead of AEW in terms of that because for the last we saw, AEW didn't have fans in the crowd wearing masks, but that could all change soon too, I would assume so anyway. Before WWE's recent changes, there was reports of... um a WWE official saying real fans don't wear masks while they were selling masks on WWE shop, which, um, as you've mentioned, has now recently been changed. Looking across to AEW, they're doing a full COVID-19 testing. Once you sign in, you can't leave the building. There's a separation between standing crowds, so you have to, like, stage left, you have the heels, and to stage right, you have the faces, and masks can be worn. He said it will be interesting to see uh, in the coming days if masks will be mandatory. Yeah, the like, the only mask we've seen on AEW Dynamite was, like, this one week Jake Roberts came out with a mask on and sort of quickly took it off. But, um, um, Big Swole was wearing one last week as well. Oh, that's right. She was. She was. Uh, stand corrected. But, um, I assume with AEW that they're, they're pretty much on the ball with these sort of criticisms and all, and how they appear in the public's eye. They're fairly transparent in that way. I would assume that they will pretty much make it mandatory, at least for the people in the crowd. And from what the um, the US doctors are saying, it helps that they're in an outdoor stadium, whereas WWE is still taping at the indoor, either at Full Sail or the Performance Centre. Yeah, I just think it would sort of be a good message to sort of send your audience at home if you just have everyone sort of wearing their masks in the crowd, even if you don't necessarily need them to. I just think it would kind of be a good good sort of way to sort of get your audience to think, oh, all right, well, these people on TV are doing it and 
that's the big hot button issue in America at the moment is to whether or not to wear a mask, as stupid as that is. And like I mentioned before with WWE selling masks, the Elite are also selling masks through uh, pro wrestling tees and the AEW store. Pretty much, um, yeah, any major, like, independent or whatever on pro wrestling tees, they're selling a mask. Like, you can get a... You can get a Kurt Hawkins, Brian Myers mask or a Zack Ryder one or a bloody, um, yeah, Luke Gallows is selling them. Like anyone on the pro wrestling tease store is sort of selling masks these days, which is good because, you know, I'd much rather wear a mask that <laughs> that has something cool on it, I guess. Not that a lot of wrestlers' logos are that cool. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's all all a matter of taste. And then from there, we sort of go across the seas to New Japan. And we've been watching a bit of the New Japan Cup recently. How do you think New Japan has handled um, returning to action with their COVID protocols? So I I think they're they're probably the best out of the lot, right? Like this... I don't think there's much of an argument against how they're handling it. Um, the Japanese people in to generalize, which can be problematic, I guess, but to generalize, like they're very strict people and they will follow sort of rules and, you know, they will wear surgical masks back in the day before all COVID happen just to sort of protect everyone else from them having a cold and stuff like that. So New Japan sort of handled this better th- and gone above and beyond than more than any other company, in my opinion, to the point where they have a TV cut surrounded by Perspex. Yeah, so their commentary briefs usually a three- or a four-man team, so they've got them sitting on two separate tables, Perspex glass or plastic in between them and then there's a tv monitor in between the two tables so they can get all four commentators in a single camera shot yeah it's the most unusual looking image because sometimes you'll have like like say milano on the on the left and then in the middle on the tv you'll have liger and then on the right it's one of the other announcers but then sometimes you can just see Liger on the right as well. So the you, far corner. <laughs> yeah, so you can see Liger twice in the same shot. But, yeah, it's it's the most surreal-looking thing. But I'd rather them go overboard than underboard in this sort of situation. Yeah, absolutely. So all the young lines ringside, they're wearing masks. The camera crews, the photographers, they're all wearing masks. They have a certain ring crew that comes out after a few matches in like a hazmat suit, wipes down the ropes, disinfects the ring, the ringside area. So they are handling this really, really well, in my opinion. Yeah, they've been really good with it. Um, I'm sure Minoru Suzuki was disappointed on his first day back at work by the lack of people around the ring to torture, but... (laughs) But, um... Did I tell you about the time I met Suzuki? <laughs> uh, no, no. Pl- please tell tell me and all of our 
lovely humans. So when I went to the New Japan show at Festival Hall in Melbourne in 2018, I had a chance to do like the meet and greet before the show. And there was people there like Nagata, Okada, Jay White. And I got me photo with Suzuki and he's put the IWGP um, Intercontinental title on me and he's like pointing to me and I'm just like standing an extra foot away from him like, please don't hurt me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very, very intimidating man. (laughs) I I just want to hang out with him. Like I I don't need to talk to him. I just... Just like if I can be a part of his entourage, just follow him around for a day and just, I'd just be curious just to see him do like normal things, just to watch Minoru Suzuki go to the supermarket or like filling up his car with petrol. Like, oh, like I just want to see this like intimidating, angry man just do normal everyday things so one of us could learn japanese and then we can go to japan for a new japan show and then we can go to his clothing store after the show oh yes yeah so we've seen wrestling starting to return this month we've got uh epw who ran i believe was last weekend uh wrestle rampage is running at the end of the month a few others have announced dates i know the Wrestle Rampage show, I believe, is a members-only show where you're going to go into a draw if you're a member. I know the EPW show was only open to members. So, um... So what you mean to tell me is that we finally got up to date with all of our Australian reviews and now we're quickly falling behind again? Not quite yet, but, um... How do you think the local scene or handle it? I honestly don't know. Um, I, I can't see... I can't see Victorian wrestling coming back anytime soon. October, November's got to be the earliest. Like, they've delayed almost everything in that state. Yeah. Like, I, I just can't see it happening. They cancelled the, um, the VFL, the state football league for the year they only just cancelled that didn't they last month all the local footies pretty much cancelled plus other local sports so yeah anything happening in that state's going to be a little while off sydney looks to be problematic with um a new hot spot sort of popping up there yeah queensland seems pretty good at the moment um and from what i can gather Western Australia and Adelaide are also pretty good. Tassie, I believe, is having an open day for fans at their school either this month or next month. Yeah, I don't keep up to date with Tassie numbers. I'm I'm assuming they're doing pretty good, though. They're lucky. They're on their little island closed off from everyone else. It's not as if you can take your dirt bike and cross the border in the bush there, is it? No, no, that's right. So with, like, um... AFL returning, that's just been a disaster. Um, NRL's been slightly better with the way they've handled their return, especially returning with fans. Do you foresee, um, let's say, PCW, because they've announced Coliseum for mid-October, do you see that going ahead with at least 50% capacity? Um, I don't. Honestly, I don't. Um, I'm I'm a little bit pessimistic about all of this, though. I just 
I, I'm thinking we're looking at at uh, Victoria and to a lesser extent New South Wales coming back in 2021, unfortunately, but that's how I see things playing out. Yeah, I'd have to agree. For for those not familiar with the Australian climate, uh, so your Victoria, your southern part of New South Wales, your South Australia, your southern Western Australia and Tasmania, as well as the ACT, they're all in their cooler part of the year, going into winter now until mid-September, uh, October, when it'll start to warm back up. Doctors, from what I've read, are sort of on the fence. Half believe that the cooler weather won't affect the COVID virus. The other half believe it could worsen the COVID virus. So we've seen in Victoria there's been a spike, but that's sort of debated whether it's related to the climate or related to how sloppy the uh, lockdown was kept at one of the isolation hotels. Yeah, and... Just Melbourneites in general, sort of just as soon as we went out of the, what was it, stage three statewide, people just, instead of going to stage two, people just went back to stage zero. Like I was just, I'm nowhere near Melbourne and I was going to the supermarket and seeing people just hanging out in massive groups just chatting in the middle of an aisle way like not socially distancing like or like i'd be going to the supermarket like a few weeks ago and someone bump into me with the shoulder to shoulder what trying to walk past me and stuff like that and it's like come on dude we're still meant to be social distancing your dicks yeah even at work it's very frustrating you gotta tell them five six seven times you're supposed to stand Yay, far away from each other. Okay. They don't. Yeah, I'd imagine uh, the more drinks I had, it would be a harder thing to to keep control of too. It's like daycare for adults. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that that is a pub. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect way to describe it. Anything else sort of to add on to the uh, COVID situation, either internationally or um, domestically? Oh, um... Rusev has it, doesn't he? Um, yeah, so Rusev and Lana and Lana's parents have all tested positive. So those hoping for a surprise Rusev Day appearance at Slammiversary may be disappointed. Either that or he has pulled off the most disgusting swerve to get people to not think he's going to show up somewhat. The most disgusting swerve since Drake Maverick used the firing of 35 of his friends for an angle. Oh. Do you think that whole thing was a work? The guy still got rehired in the end with Triple H on TV. Yes. <laughs> do you think it was, like, do you think he was ever actually fired, though? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I still don't know what what to think about all of that. I suppose the last thing to add on to the whole COVID situation, it has taken a toll on the indies, um, including Evolve, which is now shut down. And WWE has brought Evolve and the library to Dragon Gate USA. Oh, they got... Oh, right. Yep. Yep. Forgot about the link there. When uh, was it WWN, uh, the overall company formed, when Gabe went to join 
uh, as like a feeder company to NXT. He already had um, Evolve as an offshoot company within WWN, so that's how they acquired Evolve and Dragon Gate without acquiring the rest of WWN. It'd be interesting to see if um, Gabe himself like ends up doing something with WWE. I think he would. I think he'll be one of those sort of backstage creatives at NXT in Florida. It'd be interesting to see like what he could do with an NXT roster or something like that that he sort of helped uh, develop on their way up to NXT to see what he could do with, uh, say, Johnny Gargano now. Like, Johnny Gargano was pretty much the poster boy of Evolve for many years. Do you mean, like, put him in a position of a um, creative of NXT Live, like the show the developmentals on just touring Florida for non-TV? Or just, like, a creative for TV or for, you know, just being a part of the writing staff or something like that, you know? So the last note I've got on that is reportedly the contracts between WWE and Evolve are similar of those between WWE Progress, WWE ICW and WWE WXW, I believe, are the three in Europe they've partnered with. Uh, All the promotions that used to be massive hot promotions until they partnered with WWE, you mean? Yeah, so this is sort of double-edged sword that fans somewhat feared when they first signed, when it was only rumoured that they were partnering as a feeder system. Now this has been confirmed, do you believe by signing with a... um, feeder system type contract with WWE, they leave themselves open to a um, buyout clause in that contract. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's that's what I'm sort of seeing now as well, and I fear for any Australian company that would see a WWE partnership as a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a... a NX, this is probably saved for another podcast sometime, but NXT Australia probably would be the final nail in the coffin for an Australian wrestling boom. Yeah, yeah. Um, So from COVID and uh, international, we go to the hashtag speaking out movement, including within Australia. Um, Once again, for a more in-depth conversation, both Alex and I have listened to and would highly recommend the... All Your Faves A Problematic Show from the B-Plus podcast on June 20th. I'll leave a link in the show description. Do you want to start here, Alex, or should I just go through quickly? Yeah, just you get into it, mate. So we're not going to name any names that haven't been reported uh, either by a company or a credible uh, wrestling news source, but... A number of wrestlers, both women and men, have spoken out on various social media platforms about various forms of abuse. A number of wrestlers have spoken out about sexual abuse, including some from minors at the time. This is fucking disgusting. There it is. You're the first one to swear. Um, Yeah, this whole thing has just made me... Like... 
I spoke to you when this whole thing was coming out and you're like, oh, do you want to record a podcast? And I pretty much said, nah, not this week. I couldn't give two shits about wrestling right now. Like, this whole thing just soured me on wrestling and I'm slowly starting to get my love for it back. But, jeez, it's it's a slog. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of why we've been been away for a little while sort of wanting to gather a little bit more information wanting to wait for a little bit more things to be uh concrete before we sort of spoke on the matter and spoke on um cases that might just still be allegations or uh cases without sufficient evidence yeah and plus like we talk about aussie wrestling in australia there's like very strict defamation laws and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so people aren't actually coming out with a lot of Australian names. There's just like a lot of implications and stuff like that. So it, so it's sort of been a touchy subject to try and even talk about any Aussie wrestler because we don't know who the ones people are sort of implying at the moment. Like, it's been so touchy with the Australian scene in particular because, yeah, like I said, these defamation and laws in Australia are just so strict. People can't say names and it sort of leaves us sort of, yeah, just having to play it safe and, you know, doing certain things like changing a fantasy draft and stuff like that because we don't know if we'll say someone who's a massive piece of shit. Yeah, so you, you might as well um go ahead and let the listeners know that we uh, changed that on three days' notice if you want to expand on that now, Alex. Yeah, it's just pretty much like... Um, all that was coming out on the Australian scene was just like, rumors and not much proof at that point at that point anyway more proof has sort of come out about certain people but like it was just like names and just stuff like that it was like oh god and it was like every time i logged into twitter is another name and another name from the australian scene and all that and it's just like well some of these guys are like they're going to be getting picked in our fantasy draft. They're, they're going to be, like, top guys in our fantasy wrestling fed. Like, we're going to have to end up talking about these guys, and I just really don't feel comfortable, especially not knowing who's going to get named next or whatever. Like, I could pick someone, and next thing you know, they're a massive asshole. <laughs> and... Um, sort of put myself in a corner where it's either, well, I'm going to have to keep fantasy booking a massive piece of shit on the card or I'm going to have to come out and be like, all right, guys, well, we're going to just have to scrap this whole idea. <laughs> so that's why we sort of did the quick 360 to do the Hall of Fame sort of deal. Because, well, whilst there are a couple of problematic people in the Hall of Fame, it's, it's scary to think that there's m 
more problematic people in current wrestling than there is from the 70s, 80s, and 90s all throughout the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, and anyone who's um, left us feedback um, for the fantasy draft, that all goes to Alex. He did an amazing job on a three-day turnaround putting that all together before we recorded. Uh, thank you, Alex, for the fast turnaround on that. Um, yeah, for for a while there, we just sort of lost the um the love for wrestling and we were just like what the fuck is going on it's just disgusting and can i just say the situation in the uk i can't comment here as much where in the uk there is a lot there seems to be a lot of male wrestlers in their 30s who are taking advantage of teenage or young 20-year-old trainees, some of which aren't even 18. And it is fucking disgusting. And their excuse is, oh, she was 16 at the time, that's the age of consent in the UK. Get fucked. Yeah. Like, even if that's the age of consent, it's still fucked, man. It's, it, it is a student-teacher relationship. You are manipulating that person. Yeah, you're in a position of power. You're using your power to for sexual advances. It's just fuck. Yeah, and in something like wrestling, if you are their trainer, their coach, their booker, you can say, oh, do this favour, for lack of a better word, in a uh, without being gratuitous on the podcast, do this favour for me and you'll get a championship match at the next event. Do this favour for me, and you'll be headlining the next show. Yeah, yeah. Fucking disgusting, man. Because if this was Australia, and if there was a story of a male wrestler in his 30s on worldwide TV having a relationship with a 17-year-old student that he coached, that'd be on the news. That guy would be out. He would have charges against him. But because it's the UK, apparently, that's okay. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's pretty messed up. Um, yeah, the whole thing was just like selfishly, it was just like, hey, here's this wrestler you like. He's a massive asshole. Here's this other wrestler you like. He's also a massive asshole. And that just happened every fucking day. It was just like, oh. And then, yeah, that sort of gets us to the point where we're like, oh, should I even bother caring about wrestling now? Because it's just like every second bloody a wrestler I'm a massive fan of is just a piece of shit. So I might as well just stop giving a fuck about it. And I think it's going to be a long, long time before the the UK scene can fully recover from this, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's not to say every UK um, promotion is terrible or every UK male wrestler is bad. There are still a lot of good, uh, like, not as in good wrestlers, as in good people within that industry who are working together to put on quality... Um, companies yeah and can we quickly talk about um one of the good ones out there have a look at pete dunn's twitter man 
like you want to say a respectable dude who's just been like, yep, you're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. I'm going to sell some T-shirts and the money raised from this will go to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm going to sell another T-shirt. The money will go to victims of sexual assault. Like, Pete Dunn's just a true legend. And I have no... Yeah, if something comes out about him... I'm done. Yeah. But I don't think something will come out about him because of how outright he's been about calling people out for being pieces of shit. So, yeah, off air, there are a few people me and Alex have um, have talked about. Again, with the defamation laws in Australia, we can't say who without risk of uh, reprisal. But, yeah. So moving on from that, I've got a list of statements here made from the bigger companies in Australia. Would you like me to read some of them out? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the first ones are from Melbourne City Wrestlings via the Facebook. First statement was issued on June 20th. And I quote, Melbourne City Wrestling and the MCW Academy are aware of allegations toward an active wrestler in our company. We want to assure all fans, students staff and wrestlers that we take sorry that we take the severity of these allegations seriously and we have spoken to both parties we have removed this wrestler from M, uh, from Melbourne City Wrestling and their role at the MCW Academy promoting a safe environment at our shows this is and always has been our number one priority to help us maintain this environment over the last 18 months we have taken steps to evolve our leadership team in line with the growth of the business so that safety is always at the forefront of our shows. We are working with our talent, trainees and staff to ensure that they feel safe and su- supported. Thank you to those that are sharing their experiences and we stand with you. By having these courageous conversations, we can help make a change for the better and the future. If you have any concerns, please feel free to contact us via social media channels, Melbourne City Wrestling. They then released a follow-up statement on the 29th of June, which reads, and I quote, After taking a few days to listen and learn from many in the wrestling community, we are disappointed and saddened that individuals feel let down by the process within MCW and feeling as though the environment that we all work in is less than completely safe and equal for all. We take responsibility that we did not have processes in place to handle these matters appropriately and we will be using this time to take steps to ensure that we can share an environment where everyone feels safe We are positive that we can implement changes to make this happen. As part of that process, we will also be using the time to run mandatory sensitivity program with our wrestlers and staff, which has been operated by an outside specialist organisation. These learnings will form the basis of the formal code of conduct. This is just the first step. We ask for your patience while we do this 
as we do not want to implement quick fixes, but rather lasting changes that will help make a long-term difference. Importantly, we want to demonstrate that we are learning, we are listening, and we are committed to making changes for the better. Thank you for sticking with us, the MCW team. Uh, so yeah, a trainer and wrestler from Melbourne City Wrestling uh, has been let go from their role within the MCW Academy and Melbourne City Wrestling itself. We are not going to name the wrestler again, but uh, any thoughts there, Alex? Yeah, um, there's not much you can say there. Um, MCW's trying to do the right thing here, but it just makes you wonder how much they actually do. Because from all reports, um, this seemed to be a fairly well-known thing on the scene. So... I don't know what to think, to be honest. And uh, I'm going to quickly pull up a tweet from this week. It's a tweet from Sid Parker. I don't know if you saw this. Um, No, go ahead. Yeah, like I said, I haven't been on on Twitter that much lately. (laughs) It's just a quick tweet from Sid Parker, and it says... MCW is by far and away the most unprofessional and embarrassing place I've ever wrestled. May they all hang their heads in shame. Um, yeah. Uh, someone said, what happened? He said, the way they've handled the speaking out movement has been incredibly piss poor. Um... Someone said, in what ways? As an outsider and someone who used to frequent MCW events, I'd like to know what's wrong with MCW. Because from an outsider perspective, it's not too easy. I assume it was mostly backstage stuff. And Sid replied with, they're more concerned with protecting their brand than they are with people victimised backstage at the shows. Uh, He says some stuff about how it's basically just a boys' club backstage. It's just a bunch of jocks just acting like jocks. Um, Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, It doesn't really surprise me, to be honest. Um, I've spoken to a to someone who used to be involved in MCW and yeah, he didn't tell me too much, but he just told me that backstage there was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) Um, And I sort of just shrugged it off. Later on, I'd find, find out stuff like this whole stuff that this whole speaking out movement has, um, exposed and it's sort of yeah it's blown my mind like um me and you we've both used this term on the podcast a lot statriotic or our home promotion like jokingly saying oh mcw is our home promotion and yeah this this just left me feeling disappointed saddened angry disgusted ashamed yeah like 
Like, they're not getting my money anymore. That's exactly how it is. And that's something we'll have to be discussing off-air. Um, there is another promotion. We're not going to name it on air that we were going to review as part of the March overview. Um, a few days before, a number of allegations came out. We end up pulling that event off of the review before release and didn't talk about it when recording. Um, where the promoter on that promotion was alleged to have done a number of things. Um, yeah, so, like, dude, you've seen my uh, webcam set up. I have a Melbourne City scarf sitting behind my desk on my webcam. And I have numerous Melbourne City wrestling shirts. I think the only one I still have out is the, um, the Bushfire Relief one. Yeah. Like, the one that I... I have the most, which is like a a parody of the Melbourne Bitter beer logo, I've put away somewhere because, like, that's sort of how how I feel about this promotion at present time. Yeah, like the first time I'd seen you in however many years when we met up at the MCG for Super Showdown, like... You were wearing that Melbourne Bitter MCW shirt. Yeah, and I might as well say it now. The um the reason we did change the schedule around from um instead of doing the WWE Super Showdown and the MCW New Horizons and the Wrestle Rock Wrestle Brunch show was because these allegations and we weren't quite sure who it was and. We didn't want to um, review an Aussie show with someone who may or may not have been alleged to do terrible things and then put it out there that week and all of a sudden we're praising someone who who now is uh, terrible. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we still might end up getting around to doing Super Showdown itself. Yeah. I, I've... Um... I've only ever rewatched one match back from that, and that was the buddy. Um, God, I can't even remember who he wrestled. Cedric. Cedric, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cedric. Uh, I've I rewatched that back the very next morning. Dude, you know the souvenir I've got for that event. <laughs> it's my cruiserweight title with custom Buddy Murphy side plates. Yeah, it's actually something I have a lot of jealousy over and I, I never try to sell it too hard to you, but yeah, I'm very jealous of that piece. I've even contemplated getting some women's tag titles with the Iconics plates, but yeah, I just think it would look a bit weird like this 30-year-old man with like women's tag belts on his desk. Um, So from MCW, do you want to move across to the Pro Wrestling Australia from Sydney statements via Twitter? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so the first statement was made the 21st of June and reads as follows. An official statement regarding the allegations of abuse in pro wrestling. The stories of abuse being told currently through the hashtag speaking out, not to mention the sheer volume of them, are heartbreaking and eye-opening. We hear you. We stand with you and we encourage you to please keep speaking out. The current version of PWA is founded on the idea of creating positive and a safe environment. We have always strived to keep our roster crew and fans safe and welcome. Many of our roster members are victims of past abuse themselves 
and we have always tried to create a safe haven for them. However, we have clearly failed on a number of counts and deeply apologise to anyone who has suffered as a result. Action regarding allegations against specific roster members will be reviewed and action taken over the next few days. We have worked non-stop this week consulting with abuse advocates and experts within and outside the wrestling business about how we can improve our work environment and make it safe for wrestlers, crews and fans alike. PWA wrestlers hold no formal contract, however moving forward we will be implementing formal policies wrestlers must abide by in order to be considered for bookings over a range of things including but not limited to interaction with our fans and a non-wrestling official available at events for fans to make formal complaints to. We have so much respect for the bravery of everyone stepping forward as hard as it might be. We believe everything being brought to light and will lead to a lot of positive change in the industry and accountability for past transgressions. Please stay strong. And then the second statement released on June 26th. A statement regarding the formation of the PWA Code of Conduct and Grievances Policies. In the past week, PWA management has sought opinions and advice from several human resource experts, our insurance company, Roller Derby League with an existing, largely similar to our needs, code and experienced law officers. We are in the process of creating formal complaint handling procedures open to both PWA crew and event patrons and grievances policies to be implemented in association with a written code of conduct and clearly outlined disciplinary procedures for any breach of the codes. We do not wish to rush this important process and it will take time to finish properly. However, once completed over the next few weeks, certainly before the running of any future PWA wrestling events, it will be understood, signed by and applied to all performers, staff, management and volunteers who wish to be associated with PWA as well as becoming a regular part of our introduction process for new staff. We also have a vetted team led by founder of PWA, Madison Eagles, who has been investigating current allegations and will be responsible for enforcing the code in the future. It will be a formal requirement for the PWA Academy to complete working with children criminal history check and complete basic first aid course before being considered a coach. The courage displayed by people telling their stories is incredible. It is now our responsibility to take what we have learnt from those stories and create a better environment for everyone involved. Together we can create an industry that is stronger and safer in every way, not just in the ring, but in all areas. This is our mission. Um, any thoughts to the two PWA statements there? Sorry, Alex. Yeah, there's not much to add to that. Um... I think it's a better statement than MCW's, but also I'm not too sure and I haven't really heard like what the rumours are around that promotion in particular. So 
So I can't really judge anything about on that end. If you have any idea, you can fill me in off air, but I'm not too sure what's going on in New South. Um, the Melbourne stuff sort of flooded my timelines anyway. Yeah, and I think that's more representative of um, who we follow as well as um, if we follow any fans or um, fan account type things. Um, I do like that the PWA Academy is implementing a working with children check as well as a basic first aid course. Yeah. Honestly, that is a really good um, a good move. And, yeah, the, the statement does read a lot better than, um, than MCWs. Yeah, and not only to add to the fact that MCW's gone radio silent since their initial statement. And... Um, yeah, just be nice to hear from MCW a bit more. Not even just about this, just like about what's going on with their promotion and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree. Um, so going down to the next statement was from Southern Pro Wrestling via their Twitter on the 21st of June. And it reads, SPW is committed to making the professional wrestling industry a safer and inclusive environment for wrestlers, crews, and fans alike. We have a zero tolerance to abuse of performers, staff, and audience members. Recent comments about the behavior of some wrestlers on social media are of a great concern to us, and we are taking actions to mitigate the risk of this happening in our organization we will update you on the measures we are taking to make sure everyone is safe in our environment um sort of just a quick statement really on social media nothing um much just saying we're looking into any um anything regarding our roster members basically Mm. So the next one, which a lot of fans for some reason consider an Aussie company, it's more or less an international touring company, is World Series Wrestling, which I am shocked when I was looking at this last week at the time had made no public statement via their social media or their website. I don't think they have still. So their current WSW World Heavyweight Champion is... um. Yeah, he's he's got allegations against him. It's Marty Skull, who's currently in ROH. And last year, they on all eight of their tour shows for 2019, they had used Joey Ryan. Yeah, Joey Ryan's like probably the biggest perpetrator of all of this that I've heard of anyway. Um, if only one of these people is going to never, ever going to work in wrestling again. I think Joey Ryan's on top of that list. However, they do have a mission statement on their website which reads the following. World Series Wrestling is dedicated to bringing out fans never before seen dream matches featuring not only the best talents from around the world but also Australia's brightest stars. We believe... The best and only way to do this is in a safe and inclusive environment that respects everyone. 
WSW is committed to committed to supporting, celebrating, and advocating for all performers and fans, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, race, gender, religion, disability, or ethnicity. We expect all of those who attend our events, performers and fans alike, to do the same. Everyone should be able to enjoy a WSW event in a fulsome and respective manner while also being who they are and coming as they are. WSW has a zero-tolerance policy for racism, sexism, homophobia, ableism, and any other form of discrimination. We are closely working with performers, staff, and event venues around Australia to ensure our core belief of a safe, inclusive, and respective environment is provided. Anyone who chooses to behave in a manner contrary to that belief will be subject to immediate removal from the very discretion of WSW security staff. We believe WSW is a showcase for the best that the world of wrestling has to offer. We welcome our fans and community to join with us in creating the optimum environment in which to enjoy that showcase. Yeah, so um, whilst saying all that stuff, I find it disappointing that given who they used last year has been alleged of such, such disgusting acts has not even made a statement to, um, to date last week. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I honestly, I honestly, am not even surprised by WSW. Um, they, they only ever like say anything on social media when one of the wrestlers that has ever worked for their company does something good and then they go radio silent if something bad happens. Do you want to check up their Twitter on air and see if they've posted anything actually? Yeah, let's have a little look-ski. So, yeah, just, like, they are a company known for using um, questionable um, internationals, I guess you could say. Um, the last thing that is on their Twitter was them retweeting Shazza from uh, a week or so ago, so no. Just scroll down and see to the start of the month if they've posted a statement then. Nah, nothing. It didn't, t- didn't take long to end up in May again. A lot of people say, yes, this company's very good and very... Um up-to-date with not allowing, like, homophobic chants and all that, and then you see who they've used and what they've been accused of, and it's radio silence. And that, to me, when you have on your website a code of ethics is is very, um, very disappointing. Yeah, and for all you know, like, who knows how, how well these people were able to hide their, their discretions and all... Uh, their misdemeanors and all that sort of stuff. Like, to give WSW the benefit of the doubt, there's a very good chance they might not. Oh, jeez. Sorry, just kept scrolling their page and just found a tweet that they retweeted um, 
from a certain uh, Melbourne wrestler who is now effectively cancelled. Okay. For all you know, like, WSW might not have had any idea or whatever, and maybe they're, they're very legit in their code of ethics and all that sort of stuff. But for them to just be completely radio silent. For two weeks at least. And you said they've recently tweeted out something from Shazza. Well, the let me just okay. Now that that retweet from Shazza was from like over two weeks ago, so I, I lost track of the date. Yeah, the retweet was a tweet of Shazza's from the twenty fourth of the sixth. So that was like the day or two before. <laughs> It was a picture of Flip Gordon eating a four and twenty uh, sausage roll by the looks of things. Uh, it might be a no. It's a meat pie. It's a meat pie. That's that's wholesome. That's wholesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, any anything to add um, else to add really on the um, the company statements here or um, anything else with the. Um, the speaking out movement because off air and I'm not going to go into anything, but both you and I have seen a number of um, really vile, fucking disgusting, absolutely horrid shit that no one should get sent. Um, no, it's messed up. That, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just horrible. All, all I can say is that, I'm sure there's been times in my life where I was definitely no, uh, I was no Romeo, I was no Casanova to speak to women. Um, I may have been a bit, bit blunt in my time and all that, but Jesus Christ, men, pull your heads out of your asses and just be fucking decent. Just like. <laughs> Women are fucking human beings. Treat them like human beings, not just... Uh, don't treat them like a fucking object. Like, treat them... Treat them like humans. Like, treat them with a bit of respect. Fuck. It's not that hard to ask for. Treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Like... Have some fucking morals, guys, and just... Be better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Shazza on her that show, uh, that's so Shazza. Geez, you can really hear my speech difficulty tonight. Um, yeah, on the that's so Shazza pos- podcast. Um, last week she was talking about the um speaking out movement and um some of the stuff that she's um gone through and stuff. Um. I'm not going to say anything here, but if you want, go and give that one a, a listen as well. I haven't heard that one yet, so I'm actually probably going to listen to that on my walk tomorrow morning. Yeah, so from there, uh, we sort of go into what happens next. Um, so I have a question for you, Alex. In the post-COVID-19 Victoria, do you see Wrestle Rock returning for two or more shows? They haven't posted on any social media since May. If Wrestle Rock do come back, it's gonna ha- there's gonna have to be some changes. Actually, I think it would be a bit tone deaf 
to come back after all this and then have your commentators, admittedly my favourite Australian commentary team. Oh, yeah, they were our commentary team for the year last year, both of us, because that's the Australian larrikin-ness in all of it. Yes. We fought. I think it would be a little bit tone-deaf for them to come out post-COVID and have those two guys, Julian James, Chris Fresh, like, do their usual shtick of, like, you know, doing uh, double entendres talking about the women wrestling in the ring. Like, yeah, I don't think you can do that now. Um, If you do do that then I don't want any part of it because you're, you're just obviously tone deaf. I honestly think this might be the end of Wrestle Rock because of all this, or you, they're going to be on a lengthy hiatus. Which they've done before as well a few times. I could see them coming back maybe for one show for like the final Wrestle Rock. But if you change that much of that Wrestle Rock, you're alienating that core audience. And you're not going to bring in your um, other Victorian fans because of the stigma Wrestle Rock has being an 18-plus show. So I could see it coming back for maybe one show, but I don't think it's going to come back for more than two. Yeah. What changes do you think should take place? And I'll just start by um, saying from some of the statements from some of the companies we already read, some measures are being put into place, and this is just purely from a fan's perspective. What changes would you like to see uh, within the Australian wrestling scene? Um, it'd be, I think, a good way to sort of tackle this would be to have a few more, in an ideal world, have a few more females in positions of power in Australian wrestling. But... Unfortunately, I I don't think that's going to happen. Like, you do have Madison Eagles who's sort of a head honcho in Sydney a little bit. Yeah. But, like, Victoria, I don't think you have that. Like, probably the most senior Victorian-based wrestler I can think of would be Kellyanne. But before all the, all the COVID, she was moving over to ROH. Yeah, like maybe a Vixen or something behind have her behind the scenes or um, uh, what's, what's her name? Siren Monroe or whatever. Yeah. She's been around for for quite a bit. Just to have like a senior um, female voice backstage uh, as sort of a liaison or whatever to sort of be an intermediary between our office and the female wrestlers and sort of be someone to sort of be a leader for the women to help them out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd absolutely have to agree with that. I'm I'm sort of shocked hearing some of these stories that some women are having to share the same locker room as men and stuff like that, and it's like, really, in this day and age, what the hell? Yeah, and, you know, you like some of the smaller venues in Australia, There's, it's very possible that there might not be enough room to actually do different locker rooms, but at the very least put up a fucking divider between 
in the one locker room if you can only get one locker room, you know? Yeah, tarp half of it off and then just, like, close the shower door and lock it. By the sounds of some of these fucking creeps out there, there's probably a good chance they'd cut a hole in the tarp. But, um... Yeah, um... I don't, I don't know, man. I, I honestly wouldn't have even thought before this year that this would be this big of an issue because I just thought, you know, we'd all sort of moved past all this sort of archaic fucking uh, toxic masculinity treat women like shit bull crap, but... Outlaw mud show bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of describing it. Um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, in the year 2020, um, we'd be sort of past this a little bit, but we're not. Um, maybe they do courses for the fucking men. I don't know what you do. like. Yeah, Um. so I had a few few jotted down points here and like again these are purely from a fan perspective we haven't worked inside wrestling we don't know how the backstage works but it's pretty bloody evident in a lot of places the backstage isn't fucking working to begin with so one a workplace agreement contract personally i've signed one from work it basically says that i'm going to treat all my fellow employees with the same respect I'd like to be treated with. So that'd be like, in wrestling, that'd be like your promoters, your wrestlers, your AV crew, your door merch people and the trainees treating the customers with respect. So that'd be, in wrestling, fans, outside media or invited guests saying you're responsible for your own social media presence outside of company produced content on company platforms and saying that you would not bring the company into disrepute any incident may result in punishment from the company like I'm sure you've signed one of these things for your work as well a workplace agreement saying you're going to abide by a code of conduct yeah definitely Um, yeah I'm sure I'm sure a lot of wrestling promotions sort of cut a lot of these sort of corners, but these are the sort of things that need to be done. Yeah, and then to a company liaison officer or a human resources officer, basically the same name. I've got a couple at work, both my general manager as well as department manager and a third independent person. So if I had an issue with A or B, I could approach C to mediate yeah there's there's five at my work so yeah i can definitely relate so even in wrestling so that'd be like um a women's appointed um a liaison officer and like maybe if you had a big indigenous presence on your roster an indigenous liaison officer and then specific practices in place for hearing and resolving grievances and issues Like, we have that in our workplace. Hearing some of these companies don't have that is astounding. I thought this was crap that only still happened in America because over there you're a goddamn independent contractor. Yeah. um, 
I would love these things to happen, but I can just say, like, yeah, cost-cutting reasons and, like, being just shady indie wrestling promoters just being tight asses not going for this sort of shit, and that makes me really, really, really upset, you know? Uh, third, student teacher boundaries. There is a specific line that should not be crossed in the student teacher relationship, which is romantic. This is illegal in many countries. This is a power imbalance between the pair where the student could be blackmailed into things unwillingly. Once again, like I mentioned before, if this if that incident in the UK happened in Australia, that would have been national news. Yeah, exactly. Um, which brings me on to my fourth point, background and blue card checks, also called uh, working with children checks. Even when work, like my pub has the community centre around Christmas, they still need to undergo a background check. Yeah, uh, on that, um, at uh, about seven or eight years ago, I think now, my local cricket club, uh, we're looking for someone to be Santa for a kid's Christmas party, so I put my hand up. Everyone in the cricket club knew who I was, blah, blah, blah. Like, we've all, all known each other real well. But they still had to do the background check as a formality for me because I had to sit there and be Santa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to see any wrestling school, wrestling dodo, Wrestling Academy going forward to implement this for any trainer who works with junior students. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is required by Australian law for any other junior sports program, be it like Aussie rules, cricket, netball, soccer, bloody swimming, anything like that, I'm pretty sure anyone else would have to. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um... Yeah, working with children's checks, all that sort of stuff. Get that done. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm still like, I still can't believe we have to have this conversation. Um, but yeah, wrestling is a really fucking scummy place. Yeah, the name, the name of the game is professional wrestling, not out. Law mud show bullshit. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, if a few of the smaller independents either in Australia and New Zealand either merge or fold or send all their wrestlers to a different company in order for the scene to grow as a scene to become better, I'm fine with that little sacrifice. Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay? We don't need more fucking incidents here with that type of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've said a, a fair few times throughout this section of the show, like this almost broke us as wrestling fans. I'm currently sitting in an office filled up with like hundreds of hundreds of wrestl little toy plastic wrestlers on a shelf. I've spent my entire life watching this shit. I've 
spent a lot of money enjoying this shit. Like, and this was what almost broke me from not wanting to be, not wanting to watch wrestling anymore. Like, this is, this is just, it's just fucked. It's just fucked. We both listened to a few different um, international wrestling shows. Like, I was going to call in a one the other day and I just, I just couldn't because I knew I was just going to start swearing about how fucking disgusting the scene is and how much respect I've lost for a lot of the scene here. Yeah. Like, and I think if you listen to our last review, you can sort of hear that in some of our voices at certain parts because it's just disappointing. Yeah, exactly. It's why, um, you know, like coming up, like a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about in future episodes is either real old wrestling or real old Australian wrestling or, you know, some American wrestling because now we're at the point where talking about the ECW locker room from the 90s is less problematic than talking about the Australian wrestling scene. Think about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, like, and this is only a small snippet. Again, the defamation laws in Australia are such that if we were to name wrestler X, we probably wouldn't be back. Yeah, we're not going to name any Australians. Um, The international stuff, that's all out there, so we don't have too much of an issue talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's why I named those two wrestlers from from WSW because they are um, from the UK and the US. Um, yeah, so so now this is out there. Um, it'll sort of be a return to to regular scheduled programming. Yeah, to be honest, I was dreading this episode because I wasn't looking forward to talking about this shit. But yeah, I'm kind of glad I did. A sort of a therapy session for me to sort of get all this shit off my chest, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and it's just like like Alex said, we had a we had an original plan of of going back and reviewing like um the bloody what do you call it uh, Super Showdown show with the other show shows. Uh, Wrestle Rock and um, whatever the MCW show was that weekend, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, the um, the MCW show, and then we we're going to talk about like um, possible like NXT in Australia and who would be good to pick from there to like start an NXT in Australia, New Zealand with local people, and then do the fantasy draft with Australian New Zealand wrestlers, and all that instantly became problematic. Yeah. And that's why we haven't gone there yet. That's why we haven't talked about the um, the NXT shows from Melbourne that I wanted to talk about and what would happen if an NXT started here. That's why we haven't talked about a um, even a New Japan in Australia, New Zealand, when they came over and if they started a, a um, New Japan of, a, of New Zealand, for example, and and stuff like that, because in the space of, what was it, like four days, everything became, to steal the B-pluses 
uh, phrase, all our faves became problematic. Yeah, um, we sure as hell picked a fucking wild year to start a podcast about Australian wrestling, that's for sure. Remember when the bushfires were going to be the biggest story in world news? <sighs> what? That, f- that feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? <laughs> six months? Yeah. We've almost been on air six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah, we'll be back um, next time uh, talking about the classic WCW Australia Volume 1 tape slam. Which Alex had watched recently. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to chuck it back on again. Thanks, mate. Thanks for doing this to me. It was either that or radio silence for a month until we get to your game show again. <laughs> no, you. It doesn't have to be a month. You just need to hurry up and write a show. God damn it. <laughs> Speaking of which. No, no, we'll save it for the good show. Then everyone will be listening. <laughs> um, now, if Alex allows, I might tack on a little bonus at the end here where we were talking about New Japan Cup and whatnot. I didn't even realise you were recording then, so... Actual podcast, and I can just tack it on at the end here. Uh, I, def- I definitely swore, but as long as I didn't say anything gross or anything... No, man, no. It's all good. Believe me, I'd pull you up if you did. <laughs> so I'm just going to... I'm going to sue you for something. Oh, did I forget to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll talk to you all again soon. Um... If you want to listen to our opinions on, like, New Japan Cup and that, stay tuned. I'll tack that on the end here in a moment. Yeah, let's give you guys something, like... Light-hearted to finish on. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, remember when LIJ was a beautiful, cohesive unit. Mm. We're going to talk... Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so you watch both of them, then. Uh, like, um... Uh, I saw, like, just the matches that matter sort of thing. Master Watto, Doki. I watched a bit of that out of curiosity, but quickly skipped ahead. <laughs> Who'd you have picking to win the cup? Because I had Sonata. I, I went I went Okada just because, oh, yeah, first tournament out of the gates after a big break. First big event sort of thing, big match to, to fill. Yeah. Yeah, I... I just thought they would just, you know, put on old hat and just have Okada win again, get another match out of Okada and Naito. And I definitely didn't think Naito was going to lose his title. No, neither did I. No, that blew my mind. Um, After, like, watching it brought up a good point that made me think, oh, why didn't I think that Evil was going to win? Because he's like, well, you, you have to have Evil win because you just turned him heel. If you have him lose his first match as a heel, you sort of just bury him instantly. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense. I was just, yeah, it totally threw me off. It's like, what's his name's gone for and have to rebook the whole next two years on the fly? <laughs> With half his roster. Yeah, yeah, well, 
It makes you wonder what the original plans were. They had Hiromu and Naito set up for um the anniversary show, I remember that. Yeah, oh man, we didn't get that. Oh. Yeah, I, I think they're setting something big up for Hiromu anyway. I think he's going to be a big player going forward. I'd have to agree. And then... What's the other? Did you see the the tag Suzuki Gun um, Golden Aces tag match? Yeah, that's another thing that like, yeah, they've been champs for six months, but we didn't get to see much of it, and I was kind of disappointed that the tag title run sort of ended. But I'm also like excited to see Zack Saber Junior get a title. Well, it's like saying um. Avery and MCW has been champion for five months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I'm saying, like, if you look on paper, they had a lengthy title reign, but we didn't get anything out of it. And um, I was kind of hoping to see a bit more out of the Golden Aces. But... Who was going to challenge them around the anniversary? I, for the love of me, cannot remember now. It was probably just G.O.D. because that's all they got. <laughs> Maybe. It would have been good to have seen, like, the Golden Aces defend against uh, Rapungi 3K or whatever. Yeah, and Show had a good match against um, Shingo. Dude, Show's looking huge. <laughs> like, he's just massive. Like, he's tiny, but he's just wide. Yeah. He'd be pushing that, that upper junior limit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's up to, like, Hacks standards of like ginormous cruiserweight now. Are you watching uh, that tomorrow? I guess uh, AEW to switch up. Yeah, yeah, I'll be watching that. Um, I, I'm now like fully hooked on NXT now as well. Really? So I'll be. Yeah, the, they've brought me in. Um, I don't know when it happened. Sort of. Within the past six weeks or so, I started watching every NXT, which I, I I used to watch it, like, if I hear there's a good match or something, I'll just watch the match. But I don't know, like, a lot of the characters on NXT intrigue me a lot. So... So just to prove that I'm not 100% AEW bias, I've been enjoying NXT a lot more than I've been enjoying AEW lately. Fair enough. First of all, what did you think of Taz last week then? I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I'd gone back and watched a few old Taz matches on the network recently before all that, and I watched a watched a fair few matches of him coming out with that FTW belt and stuff, and I loved it when he brought that out. And um, Taz just being a just a piece of shit heel on AEW has been so good. Like, pretty much called Moxley a coward because he got COVID. Well, because his wife did, but yeah. <laughs> what was a sloppy shit? Sloppy shop. Sloppy shop. Sloppy shop. Yeah, but now, since Taz said that, 
now AEW's behind the ball compared to WWE's like like methods of hand handling COVID now because now WWE does test at every show and they force everyone to wear masks. AEW doesn't make anyone wear masks. It'll be interesting to see tomorrow because tomorrow's the newest set of taping since WWE put that into effect as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, last week's AEW was uh, taped the week before that. Yeah. And last week was... Last Monday was when they started making everyone wear masks on Raw, so... So hopefully tomorrow everyone in the crowd's wearing masks at Dynamite or else it kind of makes them look like the sloppy shop now. Yeah, it would in a way. And it's not as if the elite aren't marketing all those on pro wrestling tees anyway. Uh, You brought up something on um, your notes about WWE selling masks for as high as 40 bucks. Fucking insane. Um, and then I suppose tomorrow, who do you think's winning, uh, Moxley or Cage? I, um, what do I want and what do I think are two completely different things? I think Moxley is going to win because there's still, there's still a couple of feuds left there for him as a champion, like him and MJF. I think MJF's going to be the one that eventually takes the title off him. Yeah. He's only lost the one match in AEW, that Battle Royal. Yeah, yeah, and they're pretty much saying that he... Uh, they're still saying that MJF's undefeated because the Battle Royal doesn't count or whatever. Yeah, he, he hasn't been pinned or submitted. That's That's what they use. Yeah. He's like 13, 14 and 1, and the one's the Battle Royal loss. So, yeah, who who do you think's going to win, Mox, and who do you think, who do you want to win? Yeah, uh, Taz. No, nah, um, Cage. Cage. I want Cage to win it just because I, th- I think it would, it's the sort of thing you would do if you're sort of looking for a, a quick bump in the ratings and a, just a bit of shock, like just a bit of a shock sort of thing, like quickly get people talking like, holy shit, Cage actually won. Well, here's here's my sort of problem with it. They've um sort of booked themselves into a corner here where if Cage wins the FTW title, is sort of negated because he has the world title the very next week. And if he loses, shouldn't have given him the FTW title last week. They should give it to him next week to say, you were cheated out of that match. And to recognise you're a world champion, I'm presenting you the FTW world championship. That's why I'm starting to think... There's a screwy finish? Yeah, there there might be a bit of a fuck finish for this one. Well, could they bring in a free agent and have them run in in the main event when a ref's down or something? 
I know it's not going to be Rusev because him and Lana have tested positive. <laughs> Holy shit, I just realised, yeah, the contracts end on July 15 in America, don't they? Yeah, today. <laughs> yeah, so... So, yeah, <laughs> shit. Not a happy Rusev day. <laughs> no. Nah, ov- obviously Eric Rowan's going to come out. <laughs> oh, no, that actually... He might be worth bringing in to be like something with Brody Lee, but have him be the giant. Just slap him under a Dark Order mask and have him be the giant enforcer for the Dark Order. But who could they bring in from the list of free agents that recently popped up? As much as I'd like to see EC3, he's pretty much a done deal with Impact by all reports. The Good Brothers have uh, reportedly signed with Impact, but also have a clause there that will allow them to go to New Japan, reportedly. Who else is sort of top tier that they let go? Well, yeah, that's about as top tier of it. Because, like, in reality, it was, like, 20 lower card guys. I mean, you could bring in the major bros. Are they friends with Cody? Zach, Zach met his missus after being introduced to him by Cody and Brandy. So, yeah, Zach's talked about it on his podcast about how, um, yeah, Cody and Brandy in particular introduced him to Chelsea Green and now him and Chelsea Green are engaged. Good for him. Cody, like... Yeah, invites him around for barbecues and shit like that, and they're, like, pretty much best mates close to it. So that's a possibility. I'd like to see them. Slater, God knows what the hell's going on with his contract because he popped up on Raw the other week, didn't he? Yeah, he's he's done with WWE. 100% he's done with WWE. It's stupid. They pretty much just gave him a thing to, like, advertise himself for the indies, basically. What indies? (laughs) Yeah, well, the theoretical indies or other promotions out there, he pretty much got given one last chance to, like, bump up his booking fees by, like, cutting a hell of a promo on Raw. But, um, yeah, he went on Instagram and, like, pretty much said, yeah, it was just a one-shot thing. I I didn't want to do it, but, but Drew asked me as a favour for a friend that would help him get over and get the storyline over if I did it, so... I went and did it to help out a friend. I'm not going back there anytime soon. Fair enough then, I guess. Yeah, so... I'm just shocked that they they let him get his... Like, he was the talk of that Raw. Like, they got him over more than anything else. Like, by the end of it, I was like, fuck Dolph Ziggler. I want to see Drew McIntyre and Heath Slater on paper. Because... Dolph's basically the same guy he's been since he came back from when Spirit Squad broke up. Like, yeah, he's just the same shit. Fuck, he he always talks about, like... Reinventing himself and he doesn't, he just changes his wardrobe. Yeah. The, The most character evolution he's had 
on the main roster was when his music went from playing to record scratch to no music to record scratch back to mu- back to music. That was so bad. And um, when he used to come out and do everyone else's entrances, do you remember that? No, <laughs> I do. Or like him being the forgotten Vicky Guerrero lover. <laughs> Like, no, I do remember that. I wish I didn't. Ultimately wearing a shirt saying, I'm going to steal your girlfriend. Stealing the show and your girlfriend. That's what the shirt said at the time. I know, I've got one of those shirts. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a pretty cool shirt. The blue and yellow one. But he's walking out there with like a widowed, like mid 40s <laughs> woman, like rubbing all up on him and shit is like I'm not that worried about you man <laughs> I'm not that worried about you stealing my girlfriend man alright nothing else to chat about oh quickly quickly what what are your thoughts uh, to start off the light hearted thing the lead into what you're going to tack on on the end I was going to bring this up extreme rules the horror show at Extreme Rules. Thoughts? Um, one man is going to win a match by extracting an eye from their opponent. Is it a replay of Stan Hansen and Vader? <laughs> I would love to watch more Stan Hansen and Vader. Okay, while we're on the topic of why did I pick everything this month, you better get your little hat sorted because you'll be picking all the stuff next month to fill in yeah that's fine i'm gonna pick some horrible shit (laughs) (laughs) the best wrestling is the worst wrestling in my opinion sounds good man um so yeah horror show horror show it is what it is i'm more excited to talk about the new u.s title it's beautiful oh absolutely it's very very um nwa yeah, definitely. I love it. Isn't that where that title's lineage um, branches off from into WCW? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It goes all the way back to the 70s, I think, even the 60s. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful title belt. It's definitely one that's going to go on my wish list. <laughs> Depending on how good you've been this year, if Santa brings it to you. Yeah, yeah. Whether or not it goes before the Iconics t- tag title belts or after, I don't know yet. So let's talk tag belt, uh, like replica belts. I was going to buy like a heap of um, replicas. This is when I f- brought my first one, and I'm like, oh, now I want this one because Tony Storm's been NXT UK champion, and then the Iconics won the tag titles, and I'm like, oh, now I want this one as well. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, Buddy won the NXT tag title. I'll need that. And now he's won the Raw one. And uh, Rhea's won <laughs> the NXT women's. So I want one of those. And it's just like... Yeah, and the UK women's. But you'd have that for Tony, so that's fine. Um, Jay White's won the IWGP. I need one of those. And uh, Yeah, I've got a IWGP US title. So he, he won that once, didn't he? Yeah, I know. I've held it before when I had my photo taken with him. Yeah, he did, yeah. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that show. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to have to. I haven't actually watched it. You um, reviewed it with John and Wade, didn't you? Yeah. 
<laughs> I've got a horrible review coming up for him later that I'll tell you off air. Oh, good, good. Uh, um, but, yeah, I talked to them about that one, and then last year's Festival Hall show I reviewed with WH Park. Yes. Which I'm a lot more comfortable podcasting now. If you hear me on that one, it's quite uh, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Taking live notes, it's quite hard. Oh, well. Yeah. So let's see. What's up? Is it this weekend, EC, uh, ECW, Jesus Christ, um, Extreme Rules? Yeah, yeah. Which uh, was ECW One Night Stand. <laughs> then it became One Night Stand, uh, brackets, Extreme Rules, and then it just became Extreme Rules. Crazy. They got Braun and Bray teasing that they're going to feed each other to alligators. <laughs> Like, legitimately, in a swamp, in a swamp match, we got Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins going to try to, like, rip an eyeball out of each other. Dolph Ziggler on Raw saying that we're going to see it. What is it? He hasn't told Drew the stipulation of the match that they're going to have. But whatever the stipulation is, is a stipulation no one's ever seen before. Oh, jeez. Turn a reverse battle royale. <laughs> oh man, if we got a King of the Mountain match, oh, Jeff Jarrett's backstage, isn't he? Like, and Abyss. Do a King of the Mountain match. You just gotta <laughs> climb the ladder and hang the title belt on the ladder, and you're laughing. Remember that match? Yes. You had to go and see in the penalty box or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can, uh, that's right, you're only eligible to hang the title belt if you pin someone and whoever gets pinned goes in the penalty box for five minutes. (laughs) Oh, God. Holy contrived bullshit, Batman. Oh, man. So, yeah, out of the two uh, pay-per-views that are coming up, we have Extreme Rules, The Horror Show, or... TNA, GFW, Impact, Anthem Owl presents Slamversary. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the NWA's back now. I'm not grouping them in that well, mess. Well, NWA, TNA, um, all is one word then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Slamversary, are you going to watch? Uh, honestly, it's probably the pay-per-view I'm the most excited about, even though I haven't watched any of their TV in years. Really? <laughs> No, I've, like, seen clips on Twitter or, like, little clips here and there, but I'm more excited about Slammiversary because I want to see... They're going to put a title on someone that just got fired by the WWE, 100%. They're about to do it. And I'm just praying to God it's just, like, someone ridiculous. You know in the UK you can still bet on wrestling matches? You can sometimes, like, Royal Rumble and, like, uh, WrestleMania for sports bet here in Australia. I've I've put bets on the Royal Rumble before. Really? Uh, I put bets on the Royal Rumble because, like, you got the best chance of getting, like, decent odds and actually getting a decent victory. But, like, one-on-one matches, it's... The odds aren't even worth it. Fair enough. One year I put five bucks on, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, I put five bucks on 
uh, Donald Trump being the number 30th entrant in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and how'd that work out for you? Yeah, that's five bucks I'll never say again. Who was 30? Uh, yeah, you're testing me there. Uh, it's probably one of those years that they brought out Roman at number 30 just to troll everyone. Maybe. They did that a couple of years, and then they always have Roman be the second last person in the ring, the last person to get thrown out because because it's the only way someone's going to not get booed for winning the Rumble these days is by eliminating Roman. Uh, Roman's a good guy. Um, so let's see. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> This, this, so this is such a TNA card. You have Moose versus T- Tommy Dreamer in an old school rules match for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. But it's unsanctioned. It's not a recognised title. Moose just decided to FTW himself. Uh, you have the North Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, the champions versus Ken Shamrock. And Sammy Callahan for the tag championship. Um, I'm all for Ken Shamrock in 2020. Why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, he was recently in Australia a few years ago. He was tag team champs with um with uh what's his face, Carlo Cannon. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a gauntlet for the gold to determine the number one contender to the knockouts title. Is it Gauntlet where they have to pin everyone? <laughs> gauntlet for the gold match, or is that like a Battle Royale type match in TNA? Because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve women in this match. Yeah, I think it might just be a rumble, except you have to pin people. Um, I think, well, of the big names here, you have Kylie Ray. Rosemary, Mass and Rain, Tyre Valkyrie, Kira Hogan. Kylie Ray. Fuck. Remember when she was going to be the face of the AEW women's division? Yeah. <sighs> uh, singles match for the knockout championship. Jordan Grace versus Diana Perrazzo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um I'm a huge fan of Jordan Grace. I think she's awesome. She's been out to Australia a couple of times as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, from what I've heard, Diana Perrazzo is not going to be an impact for too long. So I assume Jordan Grace is going to win that one. Yeah. Fair enough. And the and then the main event, a fatal four-way match for the vacant Impact World Championship because your champion got released. Yeah, because she didn't want to come to work. Yeah, it's not because of the other things she did. It's because now she doesn't want to come to work. Yeah. <laughs> TNA, yeah. TNA, yeah, exactly. TNA. Yeah, I, I'll say the N-word as much as you want. Spit on black people and call them the N-word. Don't worry about it. Here's the title the next night. But, uh, oh, you're not going to... You're choosing to stay at home during a global pandemic? No, you're fired, mate. So when's this take place? Is this this weekend or next weekend? This weekend. This 
This will be on Sunday, and then... Um, WWE's the next day. So this main event, Ace Austin versus Eddie Edwards versus Trey versus TBD. TBD's going to stand for EC3. <laughs> I think it's going to stand for Eric Rowan. Nah, um... <laughs> Honestly, two of these people in this match, I don't even know who the fuck they are, so I can't give too much of an opinion. And spoiler alert, I know who Eddie Edwards is. So, um, yeah, I have no idea who Ace Austin is or Trey. He's the one who won the X Division last year when uh, Tessa should have won to enact Option C. Oh, okay. He's the guy that was like... um, he was, like, teasing that he was going to have sex with someone's wife or something. God knows. I haven't watched Impact since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked at his profile. He was, like, yeah, it was Eddie Edwards last year. He was in a feud with him, and he was, like, yeah, I'm going to fuck your wife and all that sort of shit. And it was just, like, oh, okay, cool. Good storyline, bro. Who's his wife? Is, like, Eddie Edwards' wife a wrestler or just somebody? I think she's... She is a wrestler, but she's not, like, a particularly well-known wrestler. Okay. Um, I'm looking at this Trey dude, Trey Miguel. I've no idea who he is. He's another smaller, looks to... He appears to be a flippy-floppy kind of bloke. Um, Eddie Edwards is a fantastic wrestler. Um, So... Any of those three doesn't scream like something I'd be interested in seeing winning a title in the main event, to be honest. So whoever they're bringing in, nothing's going to get strapped up with the gold almost immediately. And, well, you look at the list, you got Eric Young on there, a former, well, you could probably say a TNA legend, right? And hey, why? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like at one point, he was definitely the heart and soul of that company. Um, EC3, former Impact champ. Um, who else you got on there? Gallows has been there before. Carl Anderson hasn't, but they're rumored to be going in. Unless you're going to bring in someone like... Like, the other name rumoured was Rusev, who we've said has, yeah, COVID. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be him. Um, I think Heath Slater would actually be a really good fit for Impact. I think that'd be a really good place for him too because he sort of needs a place that is still sort of doing shows and all that, but, like, not too big of a profile so that he can sort of build up his reputation a little bit because people don't really know what he can do, to be honest. Yeah, well, you look at all the people who've sort of gone through through Impact to improve themselves, like uh, Drew, not Galloway. Um, yeah, Galloway. Um, no, what's he now? McIntyre. Yes, McIntyre. Yeah, Drewy Mac. Um, 
Yeah, even look at guys like Eli Drake, who were just developmental guys that never even made it to TV. But then they Dummy. get brought in, <laughs> they get brought into TNA and like prove that they're a fucking superstar. And jeez, I wish uh, I wish AAW would pick up Eli. Oh, oh, oh! Can we can we go back and watch the TNA match with um, Okado and Samoa Joe? Oh man! <laughs> oh, that's what we should do. We should. Go through the TNA archive. We'll, we'll get a joint bloody TNA account, and we'll go through their archive and just like search up like Japanese legends on there. Because like I know Naito, Naka- yeah, Naito's done stuff there. Nakamura has done stuff there. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like find like horribly misused Japanese, like, superstars on their roster. Muda? Yeah, uh, he wasn't misused, but, yeah. Um, we'll watch... Oh, there was that one year they brought in... Do you know Ryoto Hama, or whatever his name is, from Japan? He's, like, the great, big, fat guy, pretty much dressed up like Rikishi. He has blonde hair. He came in and, like, wrestled a match against EC3 once. Oh. Oh, is this when they were still partnered with Noah? It was when they did that thing with, uh, what's... Or Wrestle Mo- 1. Wrestle 1, yeah. Yeah, and EC3 had this match against this great big fat, like, Japanese bloke who was, like, wearing Rikishi gear. Oh, my God. Was it good or was it so bad it was good? It was neither. <laughs> It was definitely not, but it was really, really bad. And this was when, like, EC3 was, like, the only reason you would watch TNA at that time. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, well, I think think that should leave it for the, um, for the humans. Yeah. Uh, Little little bonus. We're still recording, I thought we were talking shit again so there there you go um maybe i do my best podcasting when i don't think i'm recorded <laughs> maybe so humans uh we'll speak to you next time maybe after we have to new uh tna impact heavyweight champion uh eric rowan um i'm almost banking on it just just before we go this just popped into my head when you said that. TNA Impact Champion. Do you think Moose wins his match, pops up in the other match and unifies the titles? Yeah, that, that'd that be a letdown. Honestly. Well, you've already got everyone's $30 at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's a real WCW pay-per-view decision right there. Um, we already got your money. Why? Why do we need to put on a good show? <laughs> um, yeah, oh, that'd break my heart. But also, I I do like Moose a lot, and I he's one of those guys that I was like, oh, I wish you weren't in the Impact right now. I wish you were on in one of the other two major promotions. AEW. Oh, he would be great in AEW, although they'd probably give him a ridiculous manager. 
Oh yeah, here's your manager. Um, what eighty? What 80s guy can we dust off today? Here you go. Here's your manager, King Kong Bundy. Isn't he dead? Oh, he is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling you, he's seventy-three and dead. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, I'm just going to look at... Old Crown Prince over out. here trying to book a card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, it's too late. We should go to bed. All right. Good night, humans. Humans, farewell and remember, the spirit of King Kong Bundy is within all of you. <laughs>